start by um, showing you a piece of modern art that I hope you can uh, see there and perhaps read there. It's in the grounds of the Scottish Academy of Modern Art in Edinburgh. Uh, it's by Nathan Coley. And it's uh, simply letters, just like we have one, uh, one here, I think, in town that's just letters. But the message is stark. There will be no miracles here. Now, those of us with, who've got a bit of Scottish ancestry tucked away, as I have, may think that that expresses quite well the somewhat dour, pragmatic, and scientifically-minded Scottish personality. Any Scots here who are going to own up to a bit of... <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, don't get carried away like those Irish or Welsh do with all their singing and dancing and displays of emotion. Uh, no, there will be no miracles here. But actually, this piece of art was based on a story that comes from 17th century France, where apparently miracles were happening in the French village of Modsen. And pilgrims were streaming in to see the latest spectacle, and there was really a, a mini revival, and things were clearly getting out of control. And the king, the French king, decided that something had to be done about it, as kings do. And so he gave a proclamation, there will be no miracles here. Now we might smile at this rather bombastic claim of a king to control the things of God, if only in an effort to crowd control and to manage things in the face of religious revival and enthusiasm. But the modern artwork, I think, at least puts out there a claim that many in our Western world might make today, saying there will be no miracles here. And it's one of those, perhaps one of those pieces of art that asks us questions and says, what do you think? What's your response to this? Uh, what's your question? And our gospel today engages with a similar question. Will there be miracles here? And if so, who is this miracle worker? Uh, for the first few chapters of Mark, we've had a flurry of great excitement as Jesus launches forth into his ministry, proclaims the kingdom of God, and shows evidence of this by acts of healing and power and miracles. But everything suddenly comes to a graunching halt when Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. And here is um, a, a, another piece of art, imagining what it might have been like and one of the things to think about is that Jesus probably not looked no different from the rest of those uh, in his townsfolk. And you might have thought, well, um, they've heard great things about him. You might think this might be the occasion for a rousing welcome home, a ticker tape parade perhaps. And to start with, it looks promising. Jesus is given the opportunity to stand up and to preach to his local community in the synagogue. And first impressions match up to the rumours, what wisdom, what deeds of power he has been doing. But then the doubts set in, and perhaps the jealousies and the old rivalries. Just who does this guy think he is? I was at school with him. Do you remember what he did when? Just to, you know, it's a bit like those school reunions, you know, when you all get back together and everyone's sort of uh, checking each other out and um, seeing what everyone's been up to. Isn't this the local builder, the local handyman, Mary's son? It seems Joseph has died by this time, he's not mentioned. Aren't all these his brothers and sisters? And did you notice you get a mention there of the names of some of Jesus' brothers and sisters? And for whatever reason, uh, they take offence at him. 
And Jesus comes back at them with a with a local proverb. Proverbs are not without uh, proverbs. Prophets are not without honor, except in their own hometown and among their own kin and in their own house. And I wonder if you, like me, think that rings true to us still today. We know how hard it can be to share our faith and what our faith means to us, perhaps the most among those who know us the best. Our family, those who know our weaknesses and our trigger points, uh, those who've got long memories, those who see us at our very best and our very worst. Now, whether that's what is going on here, we don't know. But we hear that Jesus could do no deeds of power there. Just a few healings and that was it. Why no miracles in Nazareth? Well, the early church grappled with this problem of why it was that some of Jesus' own people and indeed some of his own family and friends rejected him and his ministry. And this story seeks to provide an answer. Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. Here at least the issue seems to be that where Jesus and his ministry encounter no answering response of faith and trust from the people, he is unable to work. He's not prepared to be just some sort of celebrity show pony. Jesus is looking for people who are seeking to know more about him and to know him more. You can't have the miracles without the message and the relationship. Of course, there is always that tricky balancing act between at one end God's love and compassion expressed in works of power and healing, and at the other end, the human response of faith and trust. And we need to be careful here because a lot of damage has been done by those who say, oh yes, you'll get God's miracle if only you have more faith, or if only you trust more or pray more. And often that's really hard to hear when perhaps we've been praying for years or just praying for someone we love and it just seems that we don't get the response that we long for. The reality in the Gospels is that sometimes we find expressions of faith by those seeking healing or by their friends and other times there just seems to be a sovereign outpouring of God's compassion and love to those needing healing or whatever grace, almost over the head of the person concerned, whether they seem to have any faith or not. And that is deep mystery. There's no simple equation that this equals that. There shouldn't be. We can't manipulate God. We can't be like that French king uh, trying to put up the sign, there will be no miracles here. Rather, we trust in the mystery of God's love and in the mystery of God. Sometimes we live with that mystery for the whole of our life. But yet we still come, and we come in faith and trust, and we come in prayer, and we support each other when perhaps one of us is struggling with that mystery. Jesus' response here is interesting, actually. He doesn't stay where he's not wanted. And in Luke's version of the story, actually the villagers drive him away and try to get rid of him. So Jesus decides to go where his ministry will be received. And not only that, he multiplies his own ministry by calling the 12 disciples and sending them out in his name, in pairs, with the authority to teach and to heal. And Jesus, not to be put off, encourages the disciples to go out in faith and expectation. 
that their ministry will be received, that they will be welcomed and offered hospitality. They and we are to go out and look for those who will receive us, who are already searching for love and acceptance and the love of God that we have found in Jesus Christ. So look for where God is already at work in people's hearts and lives and where God is calling and drawing them. So yes, Jesus also says to the disciples, yep, Let's be honest, not everyone is going to receive you, but don't give up at that point. Just shake the dust off your feet, let it go, if you like, and move on. And that's what they did. When we're seeking our direction in life at various points of our life, where is God calling us and who is God calling us to be in relationship with and working with, I find uh, Frederick Berkner's quote um, helpful and hopefully, there it is. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So what is your deep gladness? What is your passion? What energizes you? What is life-giving to you? What gives you joy and fulfillment? And then what in the world's deep hunger cries out to you? What need in the world? Maybe it's like last week with our 40-hour uh, famine, the needs of the hungry in sub-Saharan Africa. Maybe it's the needs of refugees in our world or of new migrants in this country. Maybe it's the needs of the homeless in our city or those who need teaching or encouraging or a listening ear or healing. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, and it will be different for each of us. I think we see a similar kind of wisdom in our epistle reading today, where St. Paul is actually facing, like Jesus, rejection and opposition from some of those at Corinth who quite fancied their own abilities, and they were tending to look down on Paul and his credentials. And Paul, in rather a roundabout way, said to them, look, if I wanted to, I could boast of the most amazing spiritual visions that I have been granted, if I chose to. But I'm not going to. He sort of hints at things, but he, he sort of says, no, that's not where it's at. It's not what, where it's all about. Rather, I will boast of my weaknesses, because it's then that the power of Christ shines through me in all its glory. And Paul then goes on in a rather cryptic way to talk about his thorn in the flesh, something he says he has been given to keep him from getting too puffed up about the spiritual heights that he's been allowed to experience. And scholars have wondered for centuries just what is that thorn in the flesh? Was it some sort of physical illness or disability? Some think that following being blinded at his conversion on the road to Damascus, Paul had eye problems for the rest of his life. And he does talk in, uh, about writing in a large script uh, to end one of his letters at one point. They used a scribe, but he said, I'm writing in my own hand in large letters. 
And I was reflecting about this week um, after I had to have a, an eye injection for a macular bleed. And I was trying to see things afterwards and I was trying to, uh, wanting to read and I was needing to be driven and experiencing something of that weakness which is so hard uh, for those of us who are so used to being independent and do-it-yourself Kiwis. Others have thought that maybe Paul's thorn might have been migraines or perhaps it was a person who opposed him. Uh, someone, I have no idea who, even thought it could have been a wife. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. Or simply the fact, we actually think he was a widower, um, actually the fact that he faced opposition in his ministry, and we know that Paul did, and rejection, just as his master had done. Whatever it was, and regardless of Paul's pleas and prayers, the response he receives is just this. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Paul's next statement, Therefore I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. Now, I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure that I'm in a space yet where I can say that I am content with my weaknesses. However, I don't think it's just talking about being resigned to living with weaknesses, whatever they are. I think it's more in the literal sense of something uh, content is linked with that word container or what is held. And I think it's more the sense that I can cope with my weaknesses, whatever they are, because they are held in Christ and I am held in Christ, just as you are. And so, as Paul says, whenever I am weak, then I am strong in Christ. I want to end just with some words of a song which actually comes from Mexico and has been translated, but I hope that we can hold on to the thought that it repeats to us. Whatever happens, we belong to God. And may we claim this for ourselves and those we love. When we are living, we are in the Lord, and when we're dying, we are in the Lord. For in our living and in our dying, we belong to God. We belong to God. Each day allows us to decide for good, loving and serving as we know we should. In thankful giving, in hopeful living, we belong to God. We belong to God. Sometimes we sorrow, other times we embrace. Sometimes we question everything we face. Yet in our yearning is deeper learning. We belong to God, we belong to God. Till earth is over, may we always know love never fails us. God has made it so. Hard times will prove us, never remove us. We belong to God, we belong to God. Amen. So let us turn now to bring our prayers and the prayers of our hearts. Thank you, Vanessa, as you lead our prayers.
The bidding today will be a familiar one for us. Uh, when we hear, Lord, in your mercy, our responses hear our prayer. Loving God, you sent your only begotten Son into the world to show us what you are like, to save us from our sin and to grant us eternal life. Help us to open our hearts to you, to put our faith in Jesus and to be daily renewed in the power of your Holy Spirit. Enable us to be continually open to Jesus' word of truth and to give thanks and praise when by faith we experience afresh his merciful and compassionate acts in and through our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, whose son became a refugee and has no place to call his own. Look with mercy on those who today are fleeing from danger, homelessness and hunger. Bless those who work to bring them relief. Inspire generosity and compassion in all our hearts and guide the nations of the world towards that day when all will rejoice in your kingdom of justice and peace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of nations, we remember all who are suffering under totalitarian states, all who are oppressed and forced to do what they do not want to do. We ask you to bless all who are seeking to bring liberty and freedom to captive peoples. Give courage and strength to all who are working for relief agencies, including World Vision, and generosity to all who are called upon to support them in their work. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of this land of the long white cloud, Aotearoa, we give you thanks for the continuing rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines and pray that you will help us uh, to do all that is necessary to keep the Delta variant at bay. We continue to ask that the needs of the poor and homeless be met, especially during this winter season. May we growingly appreciate the rich diversity that we enjoy in our land. Give our heritage of freedom of speech. May we all be mindful of the words we choose when interacting with others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of our city, called by your name, we give you thanks and praise for all the rebuilding taking place within our city limits and beyond. Comfort and support those who are still suffering because of our past earthquakes, terrorist attacks, floods or family separation, tragedy or ill health. We especially ask for the continued rehabilitation of our previous mayor, Sir Bob Parker, as he his wife and family do all they can to improve Bob's changed health status. With awareness of the Me Too movement, help us to collectively address the issues that relate to the sexual harassment and crimes committed against young women within our city and beyond. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of the church, empower, guide and direct all who minister in Jesus' name, both in global and local communities of faith. We are aware of our weaknesses and look to you to save and heal us, that we might be motivated to love as you love and do all the things to your glory. 
bless Bishop Peter and all who minister within the Christchurch Diocese. May we all work towards the greening of our parishes so that the good news that is centred in the person and work of Jesus is passed on appropriately from generation to generation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, our great physician, we uphold to you all within this community of faith who are troubled, sick or suffering in any way. Alison, Dale, Ali, Graham, Ian, Kay, Lenny and Josh, Penny and Ruth. We also bring before you the families and friends of those who have died recently. Nick Clark, June Sparks, and the Archbishop of Polynesia, Faremi Kama, who died in Fiji on Friday. We commend them and ourselves to your unfailing love. Lord, you have called us to service. Grant that we may walk in your presence, your love in our hearts, your truth in our minds, your strength in our wills, until at the end of our journey, we know the joy of our homecoming and welcome of your embrace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.